But tonight, I have the privilege to kick off our new series in our midweek experience. It's called New Life. And I'm excited to share a message I've titled, Celebrate New Life. Can we pray one more time together? Father, thank you for meeting us in this place. Thank you that your presence is real, it's available, and it's life-changing. Thank you that because of your son, Jesus, we can have new life. And today, we celebrate new life. The old is gone, and our best days are ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could turn to your Bible, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 5, or you can follow along on your Westover app, it says this. Or have you forgotten that when you were baptized with Christ Jesus in baptism, you joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism, but just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. And what a great night to celebrate new life than other on a water baptism. And here at Westover, we talk about new very often because our mission is simple. It's making new and making great. And we believe that as Christ followers, we can have a making new experience. And we're on our journey to making great. And, and we can have a new life because of Jesus. And baptism is that symbol. It's a word picture, if you would, of, of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And these verses at first glance can somewhat sound like a word jumble and maybe even slightly confusing. But tonight we're going to break it down. And I want to share three points quickly that I believe we can extract from this passage and how these verses are going to allow us to celebrate a new life. Number one, baptism reminds us that we are joined to him. Verse three says this, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Paul writes that we're joined together with Christ twice in one verse. And something that pastor has always said is if the Bible says something twice in a row, that's when you need to lean in and pay attention because he really means it. And so what does Paul mean when he says joined? Well, joined in the Greek in this specific spot means immersed. It's interchangeable with the word baptism. And immersed, completely covered, completely enveloped. We immerse people in water during baptism. Not an inch of them is uncovered. They are completely submerged. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. I want Christ to completely envelop, completely cover every part of my life. I don't want one inch of my life, one inch of my heart to not be covered by Christ. So I love the idea about being joined to Christ because it means that I am on his team. And when I'm on his team, I'm on the winning team. Amen. But when you go back a few verses and you read this entire thing in context, you see that Paul is having a dialogue with the Romans. And he's explaining to them about how magnificent God's grace is. How God's grace brings us into right standing with the Father. And so the Romans, like the humans that they are, they want to push limits. And if you're a parent of small children, you understand how there's this innate ability for toddlers and from what I hear teenagers to want to push the limits. You know what I'm saying? And so they ask, they ask, so should we keep sinning so that we can experience more of God's grace? That's what they asked. And Paul responded like the mature believer or the parent in this situation. And he says, of course not. 
Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten, and this is where we catch up to tonight's text, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Paul reminds me of a parent, like I said, in this scenario. And and sometimes I find myself as a parent, I, I catch myself saying things that I never said before I became a parent. If you're a parent, you've probably had that thing where you say something and then you stop and you said, I I can't believe I just had to say that to someone. Never before have I ever had to tell someone, um, just go ahead, pick it up off the ground, just blow in it, you'll be fine, just eat it, it doesn't matter. Or something I've caught myself saying, stop licking that. What? Never before being a parent did I ever have to tell someone to stop licking that. Or something that I've often said is, I know that it looks like there's people inside, but I promise Minchies is closed today. I promise. Don't worry, Minchies is closed. Or something we've said, we've all said it. Um, These chicken nuggets, I promise, they taste just like the chicken nuggets that are shaped like dinosaurs. You won't even know. H-E-B didn't have the dinosaur ones. These are going to work just fine. And something that David and I say often is, have you forgotten how to live here? Have you ever had to look at your child and say, have you forgotten how to live here? Because kids forget and people forget. And and I'm sure if you ask teachers alike, they would say that part of teaching is repetition. And I believe that this is what we're seeing here. Paul is having a teaching moment when he says, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, you joined him in his death? Because death separates. Death separates separated us from sin. When Jesus died for our sins in our place, he said, sin no longer has control over you because I have made a way. Or have you forgotten? Paul's almost saying, have you forgotten what Christ has freed you from? You don't have to live a life of bondage. Paul's thinking, how could it even be possible for those who have been set free to want to continue to live in bondage? Who would want to do that? How sad would it be for a freed slave to continue to live in bondage? Because emancipation legally releases a person from involuntary bondage, but it doesn't guarantee that they're going to walk in freedom. They first have to know that they are allowed to walk in freedom. And Westover, we've been set free. And as believers, we're joined to Christ. We play on his team. Sin has no control over us. Amen? And baptism is that symbol. It's a symbolic way to say we are dying to ourself. We are dying to our old ways. We are dying to our control. And we're joining to Christ. It means that we're dying to sin. But hear this, it doesn't mean that sin's going to die to us. Sin still wants to control. Sin wants to manipulate. It wants to control the conduct of every Christian. Satan doesn't wake up on the day that you become a Christian and be like, oh, man. Oh, man, I guess my tactics aren't going to work anymore. No way, it's actually the opposite. He wakes up guns blazing, like, let me see how I can take them out. Let me see how I can lie to them and make them feel like they're still left in bondage. Satan wakes up going guns blazing, and it's our job to daily remind ourselves that we have been freed from the bondage of sin. Amen? So I ask you today, like Paul said, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what he has freed you from? It's our daily submission Christ's death and triumph over sin becomes our death and our triumph over sin. Amen? For some of you, we sit here and we celebrate the baptisms and that's exciting. But I believe that there's people in this room that God wants to remind you. He's saying, have you forgotten all the things that I freed you from? Don't walk around with bondage. I've set you free. Can we accept that and receive that tonight, Westover? 
Number two, baptism reminds us that we are being planted. Verse four says this, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And I wanna propose something to you. Sometimes when we think we're being buried, we're actually being planted. And here's what Psalm says about being planted. Psalms one, verses, Psalms one, verses one through three. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees along a riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their trees never wither and they prosper in all that they do. And this is what I want you to hear tonight. They are like trees planted by a river, bearing fruit in each season. Trees that are planted by the river, they don't have to worry about what's going on around them. They don't have to rely upon the elements such as rain and wind and and anything else because they're planted so close to a source that the river provides all that they need. They're constantly being fed. And just two weeks ago, I, I came back from Israel. I had the opportunity to go to Israel with the church and it was so exciting and I saw this spot. I went to En Gedi. This is the spot that we're talking about in this text. And, and I was there. I'll never forget. We had been driving in a bus. We were driving through the middle of the desert. And they told us over the speaker, we're approaching En Gedi. Um, we're approaching En Gedi. En Gedi is a place in between the Judean desert and the Jordan. And I'm sorry, the Judean desert and the Dead Sea. The Bible specifically said this is the place that David went. And we were in the middle, we get out, we start walking around and it's rocky and it's dry and it's dusty. And I'm like, okay, what are we looking at? This is super gray. This is a bunch of rocks and a bunch of desert. But then all of a sudden we're walking along this path and literally all of a sudden there's a waterfall, like a waterfall coming out of the middle of rocks. And at the bottom of this waterfall, there's this pool of water. And then as far as you can see, there's a stream. And all along, as far as you can see in the stream, there's nothing but trees and shrubs. And not little bitty wimpy trees and shrubs, like big tall, big tall strong trees. And it's all along the river, but as soon as you step back eight to to 10 feet, you're back to the dry and the rocky and the dirty and the desert. And, And I had a moment where I thought the only place that there is life was where the roots were close to the source. So in order for us to grow, we have to be connected to the source. You understand what I'm saying, Westover? Healthy things grow. What you nourish will flourish. And and verse three says this, like trees planted by the river, bearing fruit in each season. Remember, trees that are planted by the river, they don't have to worry about what's going on around them. They don't rely upon the elements because they're constantly being fed. They bear fruit in every season. Because most trees we see, and we see it here in San Antonio, and we see it all over the place in, in the fall and in the winter, what happens? The, leaf, the tree begins to wither, the leaves begin to wither, and they fall off and the branches break. And we see that every year. They only bear fruit, they only bloom in, in certain season. But God has created us to be fruitful in every season, summer, fall, winter, and spring. My boyfriend broke up with me, but that's okay. I'm still going to serve the Lord. My friends betrayed me, but that's okay. I'm still going to shine the love of Jesus. I didn't get the promotion at work, but I'm still going to be a faithful tither, and I'm still going to work hard as unto the Lord. The worship team didn't sing my favorite song, but I'm still going to worship. I'm just saying. <laughs> or, or sometimes you go to work and you feel like everyone around me hates me, but that's okay. I'm still going to be faithful and I'm still going to share the love of Jesus because we are called to bear fruit in every season. 
We are called to be connected to the source. When we're connected to the source, which is the word of God. When we're connected to the source, which is the presence of God. We're connected to the source, which is our prayer and our devotion life. It doesn't matter what's going on around us because we're being fed by our true source. Amen. We're not relying upon the elements and our situations and our circumstance. We're bearing fruit in every season. And this is the kind of verse that we all read and we're like, yes. I am going to be a giant oak tree for Jesus. I'm not going to be a little wimpy tree. No, I'm going to be the big giant oak trees, the big tall oak trees. That's what we say. And and we're going to say, Lord, I'm going to bear fruit in every season, no matter what comes my way. But here's the thing about trees. They don't start out as those big, giant, strong oak trees. They start out as seeds. And this is where some of us get a little bit disappointed because we don't understand the life cycle of a seed, which is seed, time, and then harvest. And we've all heard the term microwave generation or we've heard instant generation. And we get too mad at the red light when it stays too long because I've already checked my text messages and I'm caught up on my Facebook notifications and the light's still red. Why is it still red? Or we get mad when our YouTube video has to buffer and I don't understand my Wi-Fi is not working, like first world problems, right? And that's literally the culture that we live in. I mean, we're microwaving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We, we have an instant pot. We have an instant pot because we don't like to wait. But God designed for a seed to be planted and then you wait and then you harvest. But first you plant the seed where? You plant it underground and that got me thinking. Because a planting and a burial look the same for a season. A seed has to be buried in order for it to produce. And in our lives, we feel that sometimes just because we look like we're buried, it means that we're dead. But God's saying today that just because you feel buried doesn't mean that you're dying. It means we're being planted. And in his time, we will see a harvest because our God is faithful. And we all want to be strong oak trees and we want to be trees that produce in every season. But we don't start out as trees. We have to start out as seeds. A seed must be buried to produce a new, a, a new life. And I'm thankful that we only have to be buried for a season. And that's because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can have a new life. And, and part of our making new and making great story is that our story doesn't stop when what looks like a burial. Because we aren't being buried. We're being planted. How many are thankful that Jesus died and he was buried in order for us to die and be planted? Amen. Number three, baptism reminds us that we are being raised to life. Verse four says this, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now our lives also, now we may also live new lives. In baptism, we see the dying, we see the lowering, we see the burial and the submersion of the water, but then something happens. We raise up and we experience a new life. And baptism is so symbolic of our Christian lives. Bottom line, he died so that we can live. Like I said, a few weeks ago, we went to Israel and me and 74 other people got to experience a trip of a lifetime. One of the most life-changing experience I've ever had. I walked where Jesus walked. I worshiped on the Sea of Galilee, the same sea that Jesus calmed the storm. As your worship pastors, David and I, had the privilege to pray over Westover. We prayed over our group. We prayed on the same steps, the same Southern steps that Jesus climbed on his way to the temple to worship the Father. I was baptized in the Jordan River, the same river that Jesus was baptized in. 
I took communion and I got to lead worship at an empty tomb. I was there, I saw it. I saw the garden tomb. I saw the garden that Jesus was betrayed in. I saw the trees that were there. I saw Golgotha, I saw where he was beaten and I saw where he was crucified. I saw where he was buried. I saw the tomb, the same tomb that Jesus was in. I saw it, but when I got there, it was empty because he's not there anymore. He was raised to life and that same power, that same power means I can have a new life. He died so that I can be raised to life. I can die to my old ways. I may be buried for a season, but that's okay because of Jesus, I am raised back to life. Paul writes that the same glorious power that raised Jesus from the dead has the ability to raise dead things in your situation back to life. He gave us power and authority to do so. He was raised from the dead and so should we. We should rise up from our past, from our sin and bondage and shame because we can step into a new life. Today is our day. God doesn't want you to live buried. Like I said, Paul writes, just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may live new life. So I wanna ask you, Westover, as we close, what areas of your life feel like they're buried? What areas of your life feel like they're dying? What if I was to tell you that God has come to remind you that your dry and barren season is over? That even though you've been buried and you feel like you're completely surrounded by the dirt and the shame of this world, that your new season is coming, your restoration is coming, your new job is on the way, that thing that you're dealing with, you no longer have to deal with anymore because Christ has given you the power to overcome. It's by his glorious power that we can live new lives, amen? How many are thankful that we get to celebrate tonight a new life in Jesus? Will you stand with me as we close in prayer? Lord, I thank you for a new life. I thank you that before we were born, you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross. That his life, his death, his resurrection has given me a new hope. Thank you for seeing in me something worth dying for. I am no longer a slave to my sin and my shame. I can celebrate a new life, a new season, and my very bright future in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. I wanna thank you all for joining us. I bless you and your homes and your family. You are dismissed.